may be seated tonight. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Let's give these guys some love here. Amen. Amen. As you're turning in your Bibles tonight to John, the third chapter, John, the third chapter, let me give you just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, We're going to have our special business meeting, and that is following the service on Sunday for all of our voting members. Uh, Sunday, right after service, we're going to go right into the to the business meeting. We're going to be voting on updating our lighting and also uh, putting chairs in place of our pews. And so if you want to sit down in that chair, it's right back there. That's the one that we're looking at purchasing. Also, next, next Wednesday from 9 to noon, we're going to open up the sanctuary uh, for Yom Kippur. And so we're going to be praying. You know, that's the Day of Atonement. Uh, Sunday, as I was preaching a message on the new day, that was actually Rosh Hashanah, that was the Jewish New Year, and I don't know about you, but I feel we've just stepped into a new day, amen? I I believe we're in a new day, a new time, a new season. Do you feel a lift in the spirit, like like, like more hope than you had before? Uh, I want us to come, and there's going to be from 9 to 12, you can come, there's going to be some some prayers of repentance. Uh, you can pick those up, pray on your own, stay as long as you like, stay as little as you like. If you've got that time available, that'll be next Wednesday. Empty Nesters are going to be out at the Bainey Farm. Be sure to sign up. You don't want to miss this. This is a great event. That's going to be October the 8th. Uh, the Food Bank is coming around again October the 11th from 9 to 11. And uh, all, as always, we gratefully need your help and appreciate your help. There will be a Light for the Lost Missions Banquet. And that's going to be on October the 11th as well. It's a free meal. Um, free in the sense you get to eat, but then we're going to ask you for money, okay? Because, because we are searching for the souls of the kingdom of, for the kingdom of God. Amen? And so I want you to come out and let's just, uh, we're going to be renewing our Life for the Lost Missions pledges. And that's going to be October the 11th. Uh, and there's going to be a barbecue plate lunch to go. Uh, for, on October the 16th, be sure to purchase your tickets, and I believe the cutoff there is Wednesday, uh, October the 11th. Amen? Amen. All right, let's look here in uh, John, the third chapter. John, the third chapter, and I'm going to pull over a, another passage I'm going to go to in just a bit. John 3. Now, I was very tempted, as I am so very often, to, to reach up and begin to preach more of this than maybe I should tonight, um, but I, I, I purposely pushed this off till, till Sunday. I felt like after Sunday, I need to go back in this Sunday and just kind of unfold a little bit more, unpack a little bit more what we started about baptism. And the text that the Lord kind of led me to today was John 3, and we're going to start reading in verse, 20, in verse 34, John 3 and verse 34. But here, John is having, he's been questioned about purification and baptism. Now, Sunday we learned that baptism is a portrait of a transition out of to a transition into. Transition out of to a transition into. And John is, we're going to elaborate a little bit more on that conversation he's having with those that are questioning him. And ultimately, John points, as he, were, as he well should, he pointed to Jesus uh, without being offended. Amen. 
you know, when you're operating as a son in the kingdom of God, as a daughter in the kingdom of God, you want Jesus to get all the credit. It's not my kingdom I'm building. It's not your kingdom we're building. It's his kingdom. And uh, the baptism being transitioned. But I just want to pick up here on, on chapter 3 and verse 34. Now, this is John speaking, and he's, he's talking a conversation with those that are there that are questioning him. For he, speaking whom God has sent, he's speaking about Jesus, he speaks the words of God. You know he's from God because he speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. And what John is saying is that the Spirit is poured on Jesus without any limits overabundance of the spirit flows through Jesus now get this verse 35 the father loves the son the father loves the son and ha has given all things into his hand he who believes in the son has everlasting life and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Father, I pray for your mercy tonight that you'll lead and guide and direct. Open our hearts to receive. And Lord, I pray that you will give my heart, Lord God, the ability to deliver tonight in Jesus' name. Now, I've got a real catchy title. It's one of those uplifting titles. The title of the message tonight is Wrath. You feel better? You feel better? I, I thought you might. I thought you might. <clears throat> We're going to talk about what wrath is. Well, there's a statement I'm going to start with. There's a statement I'm going to start with, and this will help us. It'll help us as we begin to understand this because we are committed to your freedom. We're committed to your liberation. We're committed to you knowing everything God has in store for you and to walk in the fullness of, that God has planned for you. But I, I want to start with this statement. The wrath of God is aimed at false image. Some of you are taking notes. I'm going to give you just a minute. The wrath of God is aimed at at false image now I want you to hear this the wrath of of religion the wrath of religion is aimed at the image of God the wrath of God is aimed at false image who we are not Anytime that the Lord comes in, Kenny, dear brother in Christ, battling cancer, he's going through radiation treatment. What is he subjecting and submitting himself to? He said, I want you to take this radiation, and I want you to let the wrath of the radiation go against that cancer because that cancer is destroying my body. That cancer is destroying my well-being. And so I want you, Doc, to take your instruments, your knowledge, your understanding, whatever equipment you have, and I want you to aim it at it, and I want you to destroy it. See, when the Lord comes in and he aims his wrath, he's not, he's not doing it so that he can just have a fun day with your destruction. No. 
what the Lord is coming in doing is saying there's things that that are against my image opposed to my image and I'm focusing my wrath there because I want you liberated I want you set free I want to bring you out of the darkened understanding I want to bring you into the light of the countenance of who you're called and meant to be in Christ now if you notice the greatest opposition to Jesus was religion religion they spit upon him they slapped him they put a crown of thorns upon him they had plans to kill him he didn't walk in certain areas in certain times because they had plots to destroy him we're gonna get in that a little deeper let's look here as we we talk about God made man first off in his image we got to know this. God made us in his image. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God... He created him male and female. Can I hear it, ladies? Amen? He created them. Did he make them in an image of a dog? No. An image of a cat? I know there's cat lovers and dog lovers, and I'm going to take a poll tonight. Dogs are not people. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're just not. But he didn't make them into the image of any creeping thing see the enemy wants you to believe that you're no different than any animal species on the earth no you're not you're made in the image of God and when the Lord brought the children of Israel before he brought them into the place of promise he said when you get over there in Deuteronomy the ninth chapter he said I'm gonna drive out the enemies in fact I'm gonna drive out the Nephilim I'm gonna drive out the giants I want I'm gonna use you to do it We've talked about Goliath being the descendant of Anak. But he said, I'm, I'm, we're going to drive those enemies out. But when you get over there, you read this in your own time. I won't take time to do it. But read in Deuteronomy, the ninth chapter. He said, when you get to your promised land and you find a giant there, you're not off track, you're on track. He said, when you get there, understand it's not your righteousness is the reason why I'm driving them out. I'm not driving them out because you're so good. And you preach so solid. And you can draw such a good crowd. Or you sing to the highest heavens. I, I'm not doing this because of your goodness. I'm driving them out because they're wicked. They're wicked. And they are opposed to the image of God. I don't want you to go into your promised land and then partner with the enemy and, and become a, an enemy to me because you are trying to bear an image that you were never meant to bear. The image of God. See, we find that the Lord said in Deuteronomy 5, He said, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself any carved, any molded images. Don't go out with your imagination influenced by demonic influence and create something and say, oh, this is my deliverer. 
this is who I am. Look at me. I'm the image. This, I bear this image. No, the psalmist said those that go out and form and create those things that are deaf, they are dumb, they cannot move, they are inanimate objects, they have no life within them. He said those that create them, they become just like them. Dead. Dead from the, from the neck up. Romans 1.18 says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Where is it revealed to? Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, going back to the definition of righteousness, we have... Man's version, religious versions, and we have the true version. The true version of righteousness is you are as you ought to be in God. You're divinely accepted, you're divinely approved. Jesus is not the example for us, he is the example of us. The image that we are to bear, Jesus is the perfect image of man, and he is also the perfect image of God. He came not having a veil upon his heart because he, there was no separation between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When we talk about presence, what that means in the Hebrew is when we talk about presence, we're talking about being face to face. God, when we say, Lord, I want your presence, uh, what we're asking for is more than a feeling. Uh, we're asking for more than just a, uh, just a rush uh, and the hair to stand up on the back of our head. Uh, we are looking uh, into the perfect law of liberty, and we want to see God, and we want to commune with him. We want to walk with him. We want to talk with him. We want to be in the perfect face-to-face uh, -face image of God. So the wrath of God here according to the word of the Lord, is this. It is aimed at ungodliness and unrighteousness. It is aimed at the disapproval that you feel, the unacceptance, the failures, the sin. Sin, the definition of sin is to forfeit, miss the mark, lose out on on. Your inheritance is this to give it over. It is to literally just be at a, a place where you don't, you don't understand who you are anymore. You're blinded by the things that are around you. We are born into a world of sin, and we walk in a world of sin until we come to the light of the revelation of who we should be and who we truly are in Christ Jesus. I know you're thinking. But see, the word of the Lord tells us we can't refute it. 1 Corinthians 15 and 49. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, who's the man of dust? Adam. We're born into this world. We look in the mirror. We look like the man of dust. Certainly we do. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man, of Jesus Christ. We're going, we bear his image. Not when we get there. We bear his image now. 
I, I love when he was talking to Nicodemus. Uh, he was sharing with him that the, the, the Son uh, uh, the, of God has come down, but he's also uh, there in heaven. Uh, how could you be in two places at one time? Because Jesus Christ was never separated from the Father. He was always in heaven even while he's on earth. Uh, you say, well, how is that possible? Because you and I, folks, uh, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Uh, and when you become born again, a child of God, uh, you're in two places at one time. Uh, you are in enigma to the scientists you are you are literally at the right hand of the father at rest but you're also here on earth doing his will amen so the wrath of God is aimed at false image do you agree with that the wrath of God the wrath of God we see throughout the the covenant and the portraits in the old covenant David stood against Goliath why did he stand against Goliath? Because Goliath was part of the Rephim. He was part of the Nephilim. He came out and he was there as a false image. He was wanting the Israelites, the covenant people, to be enslaved to his God because the challenge he made in the valley is you come, I, I'm, I'm going to challenge you according to my God. And David said, then the battle's over because my God is greater than your God. And we bear his image. Amen. Elijah stood up against the prophets of Baal. It, didn't, it doesn't matter, church, if we are outnumbered. If there are 850 of them to one, there is still the odds are stacked against the enemy because the darkness can never overcome the light. The light will always and forever overcome the darkness. One candle lit in a room full of darkness and there's not any amount of darkness that can consume that light. And anywhere that light moves, it's going to move the darkness. The darkness is just going to go everywhere that light goes. That darkness is just going to back up. Wait a minute. They're coming. They're on the way. Let's get out of the way. Gideon destroyed his father's false image before he went into battle Dagon was beheaded by the Ark of the Covenant which is the the Lord the image of the Lord Jesus Christ and unfortunately Israel was taken into captivity because they would not stop imaging themselves in worship through false image the wrath the wrath of God Notice there in the scripture, the text that we read abides on him. They that, they that, there, he who believes in the Son of God has everlasting life. He who that does not believe in the Son of God shall not see life. They don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Do not believe that that is the image that we are to bear that his sacrifice made was for the entirety of the world, including yourself. I don't believe that. If you don't believe that, what is aimed at you is the wrath of God. The wrath that is there is not to destroy you, but awaken you to who you really are. If I saw one of my children... Afflicting harm, self-afflicting harm upon themselves. They may not understand my actions. In fact, my one of my my babies when they were little, 
they never stop being your babies, do they? Even when they're 30 years old, they're still your baby. Even if they're 50, they're still your babies. She reached for and was grabbing a plug, getting ready to stick it into the wall. I ran over without hesitation, with no reservation. I grabbed her hand and I spanked her hand and I spanked her hand. And it wasn't just a little pat. It was enough to let her know that the pain I'm inflicting on her now is ultimately going to keep her from the pain that she was about to embark upon. She didn't understand it, but I understood it because it was a wrath that was saying, I am not going to allow you to hurt yourself, baby. See, that's the wrath I'm talking about. And that wrath is, is anger. It is wrath, passion, punishment, vengeance. That word is orge, and it means to team, swelling up, to constitutionally oppose. It's a settled anger, an opposition. The Lord is settled. It's, he, he, he's teamed up. In fact, it goes on to say it is, the, it is a settled anger. It proceeds from an internal disposition which steadfastly opposes someone or something based on extended personal exposure. In other words, the wrath of God is constitutionally not going to agree with anything that is false according to what and who you should be. He's not good with you living in that state that you're living in. He's not good with you in that uncovenanted relationship. He's not good with you walking around beating yourself up because you never feel like you're worthy. He's not good with that rejection spirit nor that victim spirit. He's not good with you always walking around with anxiety and fear, looking over your shoulder, wondering who's going to get you next. He's not good with that. In fact, it's not the image that he wants you to bear. So he focuses his wrath upon that unrighteousness, that unapproval, that unacceptance. If you ever feel that you're being marginalized, I can guarantee you it's not God. If you ever feel that you're less than adequate to receive the benefits of the kingdom of God, then I assure you that is not the Lord. That's the voices of your past. Child of God, the wrath of the Lord is aimed at everything, everything in me. I say, God, bring your wrath because with your love, there is wrath because you're not going to let me stick my hand in an outlet to shock myself. You're going to do everything you can to take me out of that because he's so, so. He has rescued me out of the danger of Satan. He's rescued me out of the danger of sin, but he's also given me the ability to overcome myself rescue we need to begin to pray God with your love Lord God send your wrath anything and everything that opposes your image of yourself and me then Lord please remove please get it out of the way there's, if, there's any, if there's any conversation going on, either out of my mouth or in my mind, Lord, get rid of it. 
If there's any, anything that is done in, in secret, Lord God, just begin to pull those things out. Lord, peel me back like an onion. Whatever it takes, let's get to the core. Let's get rid of this thing. If it's a worth issue, if it's a worth issue, you don't ever feel worthy, then God aim your wrath at that. Aim your wrath at that. Get rid of that. If it's shame, if the enemy continues to bring up, see, the enemy can start these things, <clears throat> and then we can harvest the seeds and keep planting them. And when you're planting those seeds, what are you doing? You're preparing for your future. You're preparing for your future. Jeremiah, you're going to tear down kingdoms. You're going to destroy kingdoms. You're going to rip them up. You're going to root them out. But then you're also going to build and you're going to plant. That's why, Jeremiah, I'm telling you right now, do not say that I'm worthless. Do not say that I'm full of shame. Do not say that I can't or I won't. Do not say those things that are, not, that are contrary to the Word of God. Because what you're doing is you're planting the harvest that you will reap for your future. And it's not just about us. It's about a generation that is following us. And folks, there's been many a time that I've asked God for crop failure. That let the, let the weed killer of the Holy Ghost go into my field. <laughs> Lord, if, if need be, just go ahead and put a match to it. Just go ahead and burn up that field, and let's start over. Just go ahead and destroy all of that nonsense, and let's just get a fresh, brand-new start. Amen? We serve a God who loves us enough to burn down the field, but he can get us to a place where now we can have some good seeds coming up. Amen? Is this helping anybody? For he whom God sent speaks the word of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. As we look here, John 1 and 4, you can turn over there if you like. Notice there that he says, he who believes emphatically in his self and his own abilities is going to find life. He who believes that he's got the reasoning skills to outmaneuver God in the situation. He's going, no, I didn't say that. See, the wonderful thing is, this is when I'm learning about being a person of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. We'll talk about this Sunday, but I, I just want to seed you here. See, the, the walk in the Spirit, you will never separate yourself from God. You'll never... To walk in the Spirit is to walk as a person who understands what you have has been gifted to you. It's been gifted to you. Your faith is not what you produce. It's been gifted to you. Your salvation is not what you produce. It has been gifted to you. Your righteousness is not what you produce. It has been gifted to you. The spirit who guides you is not someone that comes along because of your works. He's here because he is a gift. And all of the operations of the spirit are called the gifts of the spirit. And so we will never separate ourselves from the gifts and thus we will never earn those gifts that God gives us. 
And if, I, if we could get the church out of the earning structure and get them into the, into the learning structure to understand who they are, that you're not going out there trying to earn your wings as an eagle. You're just learning your wings as an eagle. How do you get what you get? The same way King Charles is now King Charles. He was born into that lineage. Credentialing? Who knows? It's not my business. But John 1 and 4 says, In him... Well, you back up verse 1. In the beginning was the word. You want to start out? On the right way, get to the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Logos was with God. The Logos is God. The same was in the beginning with God. You're questioning whether or not Jesus was God. Yes, he was God. He was the Logos before we ever had any written text. He is the Word. He's always been the Word. He will always be the Word. He is the express image of the Father. He's the perfect man and he's a perfect God living in the same, same vessels, the same body. He is every bit 100% human, but he's also every bit 100% God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was the beginning with God. All things were made by the Word. Without the Word, nothing was made that was made. And this is what I want you to get, verse 4. In Him was life. Zoe. In Him was life. And that light, that light, that life is the light of Amen. False. It is the eternal life. It is the natural life. It is life. It is always comes and is sustained by God's self-existent life. Doesn't originate on earth doesn't originate from creation it emanates and comes forth from God in his self-existent being Zoe Zoe is to life what agape is to love it is the highest form of life the Lord intimately shares his gift of life with people create this comes right out of the definition of Zoe both physical spiritual existence now present future eternal life the Lord intimately intimately shares his gift of life with people creating each each one of us in his image which gives all the capacity to know his eternal life see the Lord Jesus came and you'll find this in scripture Mary, you're going to bring forth a son. He's going to sozo. He's going to save people from their sins. 
from the forfeiture, from the alienated mind, from the false image that they are born into. He's going to save them, which means he's going to heal them. He's going to rescue them. He's going to deliver them. He's going to bring them to a place of safety. Yes, God has rescued us from the damnation of hell. Thank you, Jesus, that we're not going to spend eternity separated in damnation before God, without God, in a place of torment, because only those who do not believe will end up in that place. And they say, I'm going to make it on my own. I don't need the self-existing love that emanates from God. I'm going to walk in my own right. I'm going to do my own thing. I'll do it my way. I will, I will make covenants and I will say things about God that are not true. And I'm just going to live that way. Yes, he has rescued us from that place. The Bible also tells us in 1 John that he was manifest for this reason because the devil has sinned from the beginning. And he was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. I love David because David went after everything that threatened the, the, the shepherd, the, the sheep, if you will. I'm still playing word catch-up after my long-tended preaching last week. <laughs> Words are just like, come here, come here, get over here. But see, David went after everything. If it was a bear, if it was a lion, if it's a big, ugly giant, it made him no difference. If it threatened the flock, he went after it to kill it. Your King Shepherd, Jesus Christ, goes after everything in our heart, in our mind, in our life, everything that threatens the image, your future, your children, your children's children, this church, his body. Oh, Paul, Paul, why are you keep persecuting me? Saul, Saul, why are you keep persecuting me? And folks, let me tell you, God is about his church. He loves his church. And if anything threatens his church, he goes after it. But there's another paramount reason why Jesus came. I have come to give you Zoe life and give it more abundantly. Not just, he's not just my rescue. He's not just my redeemer. He's not just my protector. Oh no, he's my friend. He's my God. He's my life giver. He's my life source. He is everything in my all in all. He is everything to me. So, Lord, anything that doesn't bear your image, how can two walk together unless they agreed? I want to agree with your word. Lord God, you said walk in the light as you were in the light. Walk in the zoe as you were in the zoe. And then we can have fellowship one with another. Anybody ever found themselves in the mully grubs? wallowing in self-pity, wondering why the world was against you, gloom and all that other stuff, doom that was resting upon you. Young pastor, pastoring a church, I was there wallowing in my self-pity. I didn't have the full revelation that I have now, but the Lord spoke to me as clear as I've ever heard him with the impression of his spirit. And he said, son, if you want to, because I was asking him, God, where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you at? 
He said, son, if you want to fellowship with me, you got to get in the light. Because <laughs> I'm not going to fellowship with that darkened understanding. <laughs> Amen. You've been wondering where God is. He's not going to take you up in your pity party. He's like, step over in the realm of faith. And let's start, let's start walking there. Well, I'll start talking to you there. I'll start telling you what you need to know. But I'm not going to keep rehearsing the false image that you keep reciting before me. You keep telling me how shame has gripped you, how that regret has overcome you. You keep telling me about all of the woes and the ills and everything that keeps coming at you. And what the Lord is looking for is his voice reverberating out of your mouth, heaven echoing here upon earth. His words begin to rise up out of you to see that circumstance change. Hmm. The Zoe, the life. In him was life. Life emanated from him. Because the image of the Father was with him, through him. And that life is the light, the false, the the rays, the revelation of who we are meant to be is Christ Jesus. And don't see, we got to go back to gift. I don't have salvation without Him, I don't have righteousness without Him, I don't have healing without Him, I don't have deliverance without Him. I don't have the spirit without him. I'm not leaning upon myself to acquire all of these things. I'm walking in faith rest. I'm stepping over in the completed work of Christ. And now I'm saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If I ever feel myself failing, then all I need to do is realize without him I'll do nothing, but through him I can do all things. And when the enemy comes nipping at my heels telling me of my worth and my value and my insecurity, I just say, shut your big ugly mouth mouth because you are talking to a dead man. I'm over here in Christ. I'm in the light. And guess what? This light is about to get all up over on top of you if you don't watch out because the rays of his glory shine through his church. Do you hear me tonight? This is not a gospel that separates you from God. This is a gospel that engrosses you, and plunges you, it immerses you into the life of Jesus Christ. And oh my God, there's a darkened world outside that's looking for the weos, the sons and daughters of God, to get up and bear the image of the Father. And that light of his life will cause the darkness to back away. Is this helpful? See, but religion, the wrath of God is aimed at false image. Religion's wrath is aimed at the image of God. 
For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Jesus said to them, he said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. You think you have Zoe in the, in the Mosaic teaching, in the law. These are they which testify me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have Zoe, you may have life. What do I mean by religion? Religion, what I mean by that is, is the program of self-effort to obtain the gifts of God. Is continuing in a path of religiosity, of a merit system, of a do's and a don'ts, of a, of a, of a, of a mindset that if I work hard enough, then God will accept me. If I pursue fast enough and long enough, if I go through all the spiritual calisthenics, I will work my way into righteousness. And I will produce morality through my efforts. But see, the law was there for one reason, two reasons, to show the holiness of God and the unholiness of man and to lead man to the place of stepping out of works into faith. Because when you step into faith, you no longer are working for the favor of God. You just have the favor of God. You're not working to be approved. You're already approved. You're not working to be good enough. You're already good enough. You're not working to find rest. You're working from rest. And see, that message of this is who you are in me threatened the religious sect so much that they sought ways to betray him and to kill Jesus. And see, the same spirit of religion is trying to kill your peace and rest and acceptance in God because it has only one message. Work harder, work harder, work harder. I know this is, this is like petting a cat in the wrong direction. You know what? If you'll turn around, it'll be so much easier. Because once you've been pierced with righteousness, you can't go back. Are you saying, what I'm saying to you is everything that need be done for your salvation, for your victory, for the hope and the joy has already been accomplished in Christ. Now we step into it.
We don't step into it to separate ourselves from it. We step into it to live and to move and have our being there. To return to the fellowship. To enter in to the perichoresis, the circle dance where we are with the, we are there with God and God is with us and we are we are living as we should. We don't have worth issues anymore. We know how to deal with fear when it comes knocking at our door. And if you walk away from here, seeing that preacher just gave me a license to sin then let me tell you, you're still a babe sucking on the nipple of the bottle. Because righteousness, I know you knew I was going to go somewhere else, but I didn't. I didn't. Because <laughs> when you come to the understanding of righteousness grows you up grows you up because you're not trying to earn anything anymore you're just trying to learn what it means to be who you are in Christ to be who you are in Christ there's a peace beyond your understanding there's a joy beyond what I could even express in speech there's a hope beyond the circumstance his name is Jesus. I have come. He's come to give life. As many as would receive him, <laughs> he gave them the right and the ability to become the sons and daughters of God. See, those that do not believe, there's nothing but the wrathful love of God. You know that song we sing, He Chases Me? The wall He won't tear down. Come on, somebody help me. Mountain He won't climb up. Shadow He won't light up. Wall He won't kick down. Lie He won't tear down. You know what I would define that as? Wrath. <laughs> that wrath of his love. Stand, if you will. Worship team, make your way up. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I didn't get to it, but... I didn't get to it, but I, I was thinking today about the man in John 9. The man born blind and the disciples said, Who sinned? Him or his parents? The Lord said, neither one of them sinned. But that the glory of God, the word of God, would be revealed in him. That God healed him, touched him and healed him and said, I want you to go to the this man who was born blind. Light had never, never entered into his, to his reference, his sensation. He had never, he had that never had that, sensory perception he heard birds chirp but he never saw one he heard the voice of a beautiful beautiful maiden but he never laid eyes upon her he could hear the water rippling he could feel it but he never saw it he could feel the heat from the sun coming down upon his face but he never laid eyes upon the brightness of the light he never he didn't ever had that ability 
He never saw himself. I must look like this. But he was only referencing in the dark. But when the Lord touched him, he said, go down to the pool of Siloam, the pool of sin. The pool of apostleship. It was a place where the pilgrims would come in and it was their first entry into the kingdom, into the temple when they came for times of worship. Could you imagine him as he goes down there? Somebody must have led him down there. He said, you'll be healed when you get there, when you wash your eyes, when you wash your eyes in that pool. Ben's over. He's washing. That's what I look like. Jesus is when he looked in that pool, it was a mirror reflecting back to him. Jesus comes. He brings the light, which is his life. And he washes our blindness off of our, our alienated minds. And then when we open our eyes, we see him. And we see that is what I look like. Are you getting to church? When he opens your eyes to the righteousness of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has anointed me so that I, Jesus speaking, that I may preach the gospel to the poor, that I may open their blinded eyes, that I may set the prisoners of war free, that I may declare to them, I am your jubilee. And you look into his face. That, it's who I am. He's the last Adam. There will be no other. There was a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth. Every one of them failed. Until him, we will always fail unless we are in him. And when we are in him, now we've got the light. This is who I'm supposed to be in fellowship with my Father, walking in the Spirit, living through the Son on this earth. Father, I'm asking, Lord, in this house tonight, God, let your love aim your breath at every false image, every lying spirit, Every spirit, Lord God, that propels us and compels us out into the wilderness, Lord God, of our own wicked imagination, Lord God, that has been formed by the seeds that, Lord God, were planted in our soul, Lord God, from the pit of hell. Lord, let us be children of God. Walk in the light as you were in the light, that we may have fellowship one with another. Lord, I'm asking for liberty. 
And Lord, I'm asking it across the board, from the front door to the back, from the balcony, Lord God, to the nursery. I'm asking for freedom in this house. I'm asking for freedom in your church. I'm asking, Lord, for there be a rippling effect, God, that will, Lord, reach out through this nation. Lord God, those that have come into fellowship of the light, my God, they have no time nor use for darkness. And, Lord God, the very darkness that they see in others, it causes something, Lord God, that, Lord God, an apostleship, Lord God to go and establish the kingdom. Lord God, when you open our eyes, Lord God, and we begin to see who we really are in you, Lord God, we can't help by ourselves but to go. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, right now, every religious spirit, Lord God, to be broken in the name of the Lord God, that there will be a liberty, Lord, that will come to the body of Christ, that we may walk and move and have our being, Lord God, in you. And we'll start listening, Lord God. The voice of religion, Lord God, that keeps telling us to work harder. In Jesus' name. Look up here at me, and I'm going to let you go in just a minute. Why do people cling to religion instead of faith? Why do people cling to works instead of trusting in God? Because you can measure works. You can see works. You can compare. Well, I'm more religious than them better than them but I ain't as good as them and you anchor yourself there I mean you're selective at best but to have faith is to say I don't trust in what I'm able to do I trust in the completed work of Christ and I anchor myself there and I don't separate myself from him why would I? He has given me life. And when I breathe in, I breathe in life. When I exhale, I'm exhaling life. Amen? Freedom. Freedom. Tonight we're going to lift up, in closing, the Lungus. Missionaries to Moldova, Eurasia. John and Adriana, they have wonderful people. They have an incredible testimony. They're actually from Romania, in that region, that area. John lived in the country at a time where Bible was illegal. But a missionary came along and snuck a Bible in. One Bible for a whole congregation. So in order to spread the word evenly, they would tear out pages of the Bible and they would give it to each one. And you would hold on to the Bible, and you could read it so many weeks. He didn't, he didn't stop at the pages. He just ripped them and passed, ripped them and just passed them. John tells a story when he was a little boy, how that whenever he was in the, in the room, he said his dad would come in, and they would close the, turn the lights out, pull the shades, and, and his dad would read the word to him. And he was reading about Jonah. And he got to the part where Jonah was swallowed. And the page ended. He said, I had to wait three months to find out what, Dad, what happened to Jonah. He said, son, I don't know. We'll have to wait. They have gone back to Moldova, a country of 2.6 million people, barely over 2% Christian, ministering the Word of God. We're so privileged, church. Don't take it 
advantage of the fact that we are privileged. We have access to the Word of God. Let's pray for our missionaries tonight. Father, in the name of the Lord, I pray that you will bless John, Adriana. Lord, I know that they're planting churches, and Lord God, she is rescuing, Lord God, children out of sex trafficking. Lord, I just pray, Almighty God, that you would overshadow them, Lord, with mercy and goodness. Lord, let this be the greatest day they've ever seen. I pray that the Word of God would come alive, Lord God, in Moldova. And I pray, Lord, that there would be a righteous understanding in the light of the life of Jesus Christ that begin to shine, Lord God, like never before, Lord, to bring souls into the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, that they would experience life and spirits more abundantly. And, Lord, I pray tonight that you will bless the gift and the giver, Lord, because I believe, Lord God, souls will be a result, Lord God, of this offering tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. We'll see you back here Saturday morning at 8.30 for prayer. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you back here on Sunday as well. God bless.